know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is on tap to help us navigate the show. Um, we'll get around to some of your phone calls in the last segment, hopefully. And um, and you can be a part of the program as well. Um, before we get into the show, um, we want to remind you that we have a, a date night coming up in August. Yes, yes. August 24th is going to be in uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And if you want more information on that, you can go to marriagefamilylife.net and click on the events tab. And actually on the home page, you'll see uh, the graphic there for it. And you just need to register as a free event. But you have to register because um, uh, we're going to be serving a, a light meal. And so it's just going to be a great time to celebrate marriage. Uh, we're going to play a game. We're going to uh, Miki and I will will say a few words and we just get to know each other. So if you're able to come out to that date night in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, August 24th, please uh, register now. Uh, I think register registration ends when? Is it the is it 17th, 17th? August the 17th. August yes. 17th. So make sure you register so we know that you're coming. Uh, just go to marriagefamilylife.net. All right. Um. So today I I I had this um. I had this this and I don't I don't know if you want to call it a revelation, but um, just this a point of clarity Mm -hmm. where, you know, we talk about we talk about these issues all the time. We look at what is happening in the culture. And I just do this as a a means of of a refresher um, in in case there's or for some people, if you're new to listening to the program, and you say, what are they what are they ranting about? What are they talking about? Um, The program is Aaron the Addison's Will the Great and I are married. Um, this December we'll be married seventeen years. Seventeen. Um, from the beginning <laughs> of our marriage, we have worked together. Yes, man. we count it a privilege. Yeah. We love it. It's a blessing. Yeah. Uh, we believe this is why the Lord put us together to work together. We I believe, we believe so. that. And um, and so this is just the way that we do it here. Mm-hmm. Um, um, in part with this broadcast. But keep in mind, this is one hour. Five days a week. There's a whole <laughs> right. lot more hours yes. that we're living and working together. Yes. And um, but one of the things that we do in this capacity is we look at what is happening in the culture and how it impacts the body of Christ. And our encouragement and our challenge is to the body of Christ to be just that be the body of Christ. Hmm. Um, we filter our commentary through a biblical lens. So if we're looking at what's going on in the culture, we're asking the question, what does the word of God say about that? Mm-hmm. We believe that the word of God is not silent on anything that pertains to life and godliness. Amen. Amen. And we didn't even actually make that up. Like <laughs> right. that's not even something that just came from our minds. It's actually scripture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so at, on any given day, uh, when you tune in, with the exception of maybe a Friday, we might be cutting up just a little bit on a Friday, laughing a little <laughs> bit more. You'll hear us talking about the issues. Um, through an unapologetically biblical lens. Mm. And, and we do that on purpose because I'm, I, I am tired of the Christians who, you know, like to boast about the land of freedom that they live in, but they squander it. 
Mm. They like to boast. And, and then they get up in arms. The Christians get up in arms about the changing and the shifting that's happening in their country. But the freedoms that they have and the ability that they have, they don't even use it for the glory of God. Mm. So I'm like, what's the what's what's the point? Why are you talking about it? Like in New Orleans, you're not going to be about it. Like, why are you why? <laughs> right. Why are you talking about your freedoms, but mm. you don't even use them? Like, why? Why should the Lord God of mercy mm. continue? You know what I'm saying? Like, we, you know, you, you have these freedoms and, 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 you know, we've gotten to the point where we're just kind of lazy with it. And so one of the things that really aggravates me is the amount of normalized fear among Christians as far as being out in the public. Right. Like there are certain things we've just been effectively silenced mm -hmm. uh, while still a lot of people talking, but just but silent. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, and they it's it's sort of like a lot of people talk a lot about what is pre-approved. So if everybody has has established that you can talk about that, then you have certain people who run to that microphone. and They're like, oh, we can talk about. OK, great. And then they go mm -hmm. off like they're so bold, like they just go because they've been told they can say that. Mm. And, um, you know, we see you. You know what I mean? Like the, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like the yeah. remnant, we see you and we know that you're not genuine. Um, I just believe that we need to talk more about that. We need to say, Hey, we see you. And I think Christians need to speak out more boldly. Look, we only have a short time. The Lord Jesus is coming back to get us. He made this promise to us. I believe that Amen. we only have a short time here. And there are people who are dying every day, right? There are people who are dying every single day. And in some capacities, their names are simply turned into hashtags or, you know, <laughs> and, and, and some of these people, we do not know about the state of their soul. Mm. And yet we continue to go on business as usual, caught up in all of the things that are meant to be distractions or the things that um, just sort of numb us, you know, make us ineffective. And so one of the things that we try to do on this program is provoke believers. And sometimes we don't have to even work hard to do that because the culture provokes us. The culture provokes us. And in fact, that's the title of today's show. Cultural assumptions provoke Christians. That's mm. what we want to talk about. Cultural assumptions provoke Christians. And I want to unpack that with an article that I was reading from the Atlantic or out of the Atlantic. And again, to our friend Anthony, he's going to be like, man, I tell you, every time I tune in, y'all talking about sex. So let me just give a disclaimer. <laughs> let me give a disclaimer. And this is true. This is true. Even though I say it kind of like, you know, chuckling a little bit is, is to Anthony. Um, that's going to be my buddy in a minute here. All right. <laughs> it's going to let me tell you what's going to happen, Anthony. It's going to cycle through because you're on the top of my mind these days. It's going to cycle through that. Everything is going to be like a point to make to you. OK. <laughs> and don't worry. Don't worry. Right at the point where you feel like you've had about enough. I'll move on to the next caller. So but for right now, it's you. OK. And this happens. Anybody who's listened, you know, periodically it happens. Mika has a person she talks to. And so, Anthony, you're 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 the person. <laughs> um, but but I was thinking about you as I was preparing for this show. Oh, and let me say something also about yesterday. Man, I was convicted because in addition to the things that I think about um, as I prepare for the show, I think about things and there are things that I rattle off off the top of my head that I'm writing on a legal pad. And then I go back and fill in the blanks of my off the top of my head thoughts with mm -hmm. actual research. OK, I want to say that because I was talking yesterday about um, some of the things that Christians believe. And I was like, oh, these are the things off the top of my head. But I want to be clear. And because I was so convicted, you know, the Holy Spirit will like, you know, off the top of my head, I write these things down. Then I go back and I'm like, oh, Lord, help me remember. I'm looking up. There's a scripture that goes along with that, you know. So I didn't want to present like I just I sat down and rattled off these these tenets and then had all of the supporting text and, and didn't have to do any research for that. OK, so um, it's amazing what comes to your mind right before you're going to brush your teeth and go to bed. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> hold up a second. 
Let me make sure to bring some clarity there. So that's what I meant yesterday when I said that. Today, here's what I want to talk about. Um, bright and early this morning. Well, actually, it was still kind of dark, so it wasn't bright <laughs> and early. Dark and early this morning, um, I got a notice, a uh, news story. And um, this news story is from The Atlantic. And we've talked about this before. So, again, here's the disclaimer. It probably is not suitable for young listeners. I know that we've got some listeners who are of a younger age. Um, I hear from your parents that you're listening. And I know sometimes the parents listen with their kids. Mm -hmm. uh, same is true for us. And I always appreciate the disclaimer because I get to decide if this is something right. that my kid is ready to hear. Right. You know, so try to um, do radio the way we listen to radio. Um, the interesting thing about this is that what I'm going to talk about only for this portion here, because then we're going to branch off. Um, but what I'm going to talk about is something that is being um, argued about in schools. Okay. So taught in part, but mostly argued about as to whether or not it should continue. Okay. So that doesn't change the fact that it may not be suitable for young listeners. I think it just makes the point. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cause it's not suitable for young listeners, but at the same time it's being taught in schools and then argued as to whether or not it should continue or even be ramped up in some cases. Okay. So giving you a moment just to adjust here and, and think about, you know, so, okay, so here's the title of the article from The Atlantic. Modern porn education is totally unprepared for modern porn. Hmm. Okay, modern porn education. Keyword there, highlight that in your mind. Is totally unprepared for modern porn. All right. Let me get into the article and then, I, I, I'm, and then I'm gonna make the point about what was a point of clarity for me today in reading this article, there was, there was just sort of like a light bulb that went off that should, should not have been a light bulb going off, but nonetheless it was. Mm -hmm. So here is the article. I'll, I'll read as much as I think is necessary to, to make the point, which is often what we do. Um, unless people say, you know, Miki, can you read a little bit more of it? So here, here we go. Earlier this year, Manhattan's prestigious uh, Dalton School, you remember us talking about this, bid farewell to Justine Ange Fonte. Remember us talking about this woman? Um, it's then director of health and wellness mm -hmm. who had guided the academy's sex education for years. Remember, this was the woman who was actively teaching about pornography to high schoolers. Mm -hmm. Okay, this article is going to remind you of that, but I just wanted to make sure that you were there um, as I continued reading. All right, they're parting was the conclusion of a minor media scandal, a minor media scandal with all the makings of a major one. Okay. Fonte, who also gives presentations at other institutions, had become the subject of controversy after offering a frank porn literacy course to high schoolers <laughs> at Columbia Grammar and Preparatory School in May, resulting... Man, the wording, the word choice of this article is something else that is quite fascinating to me, but I'll continue. Resulting in a scandalized write-up in the New York Post. A handful of Columbia Prep parents were, it seemed, appalled by the allegedly explicit presentation Fonte had given their children. How dare they be? How dare... Okay, so that entire <laughs> paragraph is you people disgust us that you don't want your kids to be taught about pornography and you don't want pornography normalized for your children. You people, the mm. drags of society, dinosaurs. you dis you dinosaurs, <laughs> you disgust us. 
Okay, that's what that whole paragraph is, just in case you got lost in a lot of the atlantic writing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we go. Next paragraph. Fonte was taken aback. <gasps> <laughs> she gasped as she slapped her chest. I can't, <gasps> I can't believe. In her nine years of teaching porn literacy courses, nine years, she had always felt that her work was well-received. Now listen, folks, lean in, gather around. Exposure to porn is an almost guaranteed fact of adolescent life thanks to the rise of smart devices and the ubiquity of the Internet. And yet, Hmm. Fonte told me, some parents, quote, may not be ready for the actual truth as to their role in addressing it and the reality of what their child is actually seeing, end quote. I'm going to jump down here in this article. Her goal, she said, now, now please, please listen. This woman... In her interview with The Atlantic, her goal, she said, is always to give teenagers the tools to, quote, now listen, quote, navigate their personal and social spaces through these three adjectives. Now, here are the three adjectives. Listen, their world should be, one, safe, should be, two, fulfilling, and should be, three, pleasurable, end quote. That's, so when she is... Presenting what is called porn literacy, I'm telling you, <laughs> um, it can make a course out of anything Man. to defraud your children, Man. right? And 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 to interrupt yeah. and to stunt their growth. All right, um, hmm. that's her goal to make sure that the the world of your teenagers is safe, fulfilling, and pleasurable. A little bit more here, and then I'm going to tell you about my light bulb moment. What seemed lost on the outraged parents of Columbia Prep was that their kids weren't so much um, excited, if you will, by Fonte's presentation as annoyed and bored. So the Atlantic is taking the position that your kids didn't even really care about it. They were bored that Mm. they had to show up for this presentation. Please listen. That is all very, very important. Okay. Quote, everyone was texting each other. What is this? It's so stupid. Everyone knows about porn, one student told the Post. Why skip an advanced placement class or or two with a test on the horizon just to hear a spiel about porn, consent, consent, and gender? All right. So you you, you got the angle here? Because this is the setup. And then we'll, we'll, we'll talk more on the other side of the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Of Simba, one savior. One son thinks that he can find favor by working harder than his younger neighbor. But there can be a never against the labor when I start comparing, thinking that I'm greater. Like I built a city that makes me the mayor. Forgotten what you give me, that you are my creator. I have tried to build it, I have worked hard, I have willed it, build it. Every brick I had, I think I filled it. But skills miss, let myself down, feeling wilted. Still to get you high, but the bar is higher still. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's. All right, welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. Mm-hmm. And I'm Will, and that's Peabod with Prodigal. Oh, I love it. I, that's, a, that's a great song. That's a great song. I highly recommend that song mm-hmm. um, without any disclaimer or just the song <laughs> itself. I guess that's a disclaimer, but I highly recommend that song. <laughs> and Peabod, too, for now, but you just have to be careful. So, anyways, <laughs> um, all right, so today's topic, Cultural Assumptions Provoke Christians. 
And here, here is the first and foremost uh, cultural assumption that is made in mm. the culture that we live in. We're talking about in the United States of America, American culture at large. And the number one, I would say, and, and well, you could, you could argue that there's some other assumptions that could bump this out of number one. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I'd be open to that. But just please let me have this one for today. Number <laughs> one, just for the sake of this discussion. <laughs> Uh, number one cultural assumption I think that we're battling with is that there is no morality mm-hmm. of, of any sort, of any sort. There is no such thing as right or wrong, mm-hmm. right? It is not, and it's not even, um, <clears throat> it's not even what it once was where people would kind of like have like a sliding scale of what is good. It really is truly do whatever you want, yeah. you know, and, whatever and, you feel and, like. and that becomes that is good, but wouldn't people wouldn't go so far as to call it moral because mm-hmm. even if you do that, you have to root it in the moral lawgiver. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't have any type of self definition, mm-hmm. right? So everything that we see manifesting in our culture today is rooted in um, self as God, right? So whatever, whatever you think, whatever you think is right, you do. Mm-hmm. And so this is a cultural assumption that is made and this cultural assumption rightly provokes Christian, but Christians, but here was the light bulb that went off for me as I was reading this Atlantic article. When Christians respond outraged at what is going on in the culture, the reason we look so crazy is because people don't know what genuine Christianity is anymore. They don't. Mm. And, and we were talking about this yesterday. They don't know that Christian parents do not accept await or endorse this concept in this article. This is the first time I am even familiar with this term, ethical pornography. (laughs) Okay. So, and this is one example guys. And this is one example for this particular topic, but you could do this with anything that's happening in the culture, right? So pornography, immoral, reprehensible, um, vulgar. All right. But in our culture, we tack on ethical in front of it. Now, guys, this is look, this is wild to me yeah. because I'm thinking, wait a minute. So this is why when the parents contact the private schools, when the when the parents contact the school boards and they go down and they're outraged and they're talking, this is why people don't understand them. It's not the masks. <laughs> they can hear them. They don't understand them because they're like, wait, <laughs> why do you have a problem with this? Like there, there are some, some assumptions that are made in the culture about everyone who exists in the culture. In fact, listen, the apostle Peter told believers about this in the first century church. Mm -hmm. So we are not any different. And I was thinking about this and, and this is the light bulb moment that what we are experiencing is not something that's new, but it feels different to us because America Right. And because what we have enjoyed historically in this country where we didn't have to really understand what Peter was writing about. But look at what Peter said in first Peter chapter four. Y'all, this just blows my mind. You just think about it. And and as I was reading this, the Lord brought this scripture back to my mind. Right. So so ethical pornography. This woman wants to teach ethical pornographic consumption. Ethical pornographic consumption. And these people are outraged when you say, what are you doing? What are you doing to children? 
And this is what the Bible says. First Peter chapter four. I'm going to start at verse three. Verse four is what I what I wanted to get to, but I'm going to start at verse three just to give you a little bit of little context to understand. Verse three. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, drinking parties. There's no comma there. Drinking parties and lawless idolatry. Verse four. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not (laughs) join them in the same flood of debauchery and Mm. they malign you. Mm. I'm going to continue verse five, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Mm. So guys, this is the thick of what we live in Mm -hmm. right now. They don't understand why these things are outrageous to you. Why are you always talking about this? Why is this such a big deal? Because they are robbing children of their innocence. Mm. They are normalizing the abuse of women. And then they're shocked when you don't join in or when you speak against it. But what is the encouragement to Christians? The encouragement to Christians is that you, you have, you, you have to hold the line. You have to hold the line. We already knew that this would be our lot. We already knew that they would be surprised that we didn't join them in their (laughs) flood of debauchery. We already knew that they would malign us. But they, the Bible says very clearly, Mm. will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So to that end, (laughs) to that end, here is what I propose. Here's what I propose. Because cultural assumptions are provoking Christians. Mm -hmm. It's, It's calling Christians to arms. And you have to understand that when you are called to arms, when you stand up, right? So like as a mom and you say, nope, you are not training my kid in that. Nope, you cannot have my kids eternity. We're not talking about our kids living bad lives or living subpar lives or living those uncomfortable lives because our culture and our society just won't tolerate that. We just, what kind of life are you going to live? That's no longer the argument. That's no longer the argument. In fact, the probably the best course to success in this country is that you embrace all of these things. Hmm. If you if you want to be celebrated, if you want to be exalted in our culture, all you've got to do is come out with a non-binary something or other. Just decide that that's your new identity. Or better yet, if you want to be legend in culture, come out with a term that is not yet coined. Just just describe yourself in something that is not yet a something. Right. Because what our culture loves is like no boxes. Mm. So even the non boxes become boxes. So if you can come up with like the most recent non box. Oh, man. Oh, man. So you you could be Shapar binary. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. Just means that I'm not non binary. But doesn't non binary mean that you're not male or female? Yes. But even that's a box. <laughs> what am I saying? What am I? I'm saying that when we stand against what is going on in the culture, they are going to malign us. They're not going to like us. But here is what you have to understand. You are not speaking their language when you try to appeal to their sense of morality because they have none. In fact, so far gone is their sense of morality that they're shocked that you don't participate. They're They're shocked that they're surprised 
<laughs> that you can't appreciate a lecture mm. to your high schoolers on ethical consumption of pornography. <laughs> they they can't. They're like, what? Wait, wait, you, you're firing me? Wait, wait, wait. Because because a magazine or a newspaper article was written and some parents didn't like it. The kids were texting during my presentation. Your kids are immoral. Your ki- you, you're upset. Your kids are immoral. Don't you know about the ubiquity of the Internet? The ubiquity of pornography, it's in, it's in the palms of their hands. And so when you make moves to protect and to defend your children, and as best you can, secure for them <laughs> hope in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. they think something is wrong with you. Mm. So here is my proposal. Here it is. And this is what I'm going to spend the rest of this segment looking at. And we come back, we'll open the phone lines up. I'm open to hearing from you. I have written down seven things that Christians could do today that would produce measurable cultural change. Seven things that Christians could do today that would produce measurable cultural change. And you say, Miki, there's no way how there's you. You can't tell me that you could qualify seven things that you could that you could list out seven things or maybe more. I'm just just start with seven. All right. (laughs) Um, seven things that Christians could do right now that would produce measurable cultural change. How could you say that with certainty? Because I read church history, because I know that when these seven things were done in the past, it changed culture. Mm. It changed culture in measurable ways. And it, these things didn't happen with the strength of like, you know, a free society. These things came at great cost. Christians did these things at great risk to themselves. They died. They lost their jobs. They were beaten. They were boiled in oil. Mm. They had dogs, animals released on them. And when those animals didn't finish, then the finishers came in with their swords and they finished them. So I know, I know That doing these things, I know that living for the glory of God in any culture, I don't care how depraved the culture. Living for the glory of God has a changing effect on that culture. We have seen it happen before. Unfortunately, the problem for us is that what we first start trying to do is we start trying to change culture. We start working with the big ripples out first. And and, and then hopefully, you know, then we will live comfortably. So that's the smaller ripples in. But what you need to do is start working with the little ripples in, and that's going to go out to those big ripples out Mm -hmm. there changing the culture. So here we go. Seven things. Miki's Miki's opinion here, obviously. Seven things that Christians could do today to see measurable cultural change. And, And let me tell you something. Doing these seven things shouldn't even have as its aim the cultural change. Because the Christians doing these things, among other things, right, was simply living faithful lives before the Lord. (laughs) The the Christians doing these things, it was just their reasonable act of service. It was their way of saying, Jesus, you are worthy. You died for me. You're worthy. Right. But the outward effect of it was that there was measurable cultural change. So, number one, return to the authority of Scripture today, today, (laughs) seven things that Christians could do today to see measurable cultural change. You won't know if you don't try. Number one, return to the authority of scripture. Second Timothy 
chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Second Peter, Second Peter, chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Return to the authority of scripture. Why am I giving those scriptural reference? Because I'm saying return to the authority of scripture. You should have a scriptural reference for that. <laughs> and hopefully you'll write it down and you'll go look it up. All scripture is breathed out by God. The prophecy of scripture never had its root in any man's opinion. The mm. apostle Peter said. <laughs> Men wrote as they were carried along by the spirit of God. Mm. So, so why is that important? Well, because if you're going to submit to the text, you need to know that the text came from God. Amen. And not from man's imagination. Come on. Number two. Return to holiness. Mm. Return to holiness. Live an other life. Live a separate life from the culture that you're immersed in. This is what our brothers and sisters did who lived before us. They suffered for it, but we are in a place where we're like, I don't want to suffer. I'm only willing to go as far as it will make me comfortable. But anything more than that, and I'm out. Return to holiness. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. First Peter chapter one, verse 16. Number three, apply church discipline. Oh, wait, <laughs> what? Yeah, because you know what's amazing to me is that a lot of a lot of Christians um, are so-called. A lot of people walk around with the label Christian. But if church discipline were really applied, they would have to shirk that label. And why? Because it would be revealed that they're actually not following the God mm. of the Bible. That's true. If church discipline were applied, if bold men in the pulpit stood up and said, no, not in God's house. No, no, not in the family of God. We do not allow that. Why? Because the name of God is on the line. Because when you carouse about claiming to be a Christian, doing whatever you want, and people see that, they blaspheme God. They say, oh, you're, and it becomes a byword. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and chapter 6. Apply church discipline. Number four, adopt a biblical prescription of parenting. Today, I'm telling you, seven things you could do today, right? Like, you don't even need a conference for this. <laughs> you don't need a small group for this. You don't need people to join with you. You yourself. These are seven things you could do today. Can you imagine the effect that if each of us, each, each of us as individuals, we're to apply this and just start saying, oh, wait, this is a novel idea, but it's not like the word of God is sufficient. Like, let's live it. Let's live like it. Like, imagine what that would look like. Imagine what that would begin to produce in a culture. In fact, God didn't want you to imagine it. He wanted you to see it. That's why the invitation was that you would participate. Mm -hmm. He wanted you to see the transforming power of the gospel, how it starts in your life and then ripples out to other people around you. As it is, we don't see it because we don't live it. So these people, for those of us who are living it, they're shocked. Because the majority of people who call themselves Christians, keep in mind where we live, their lives look nothing like it. Adopt a biblical prescription of parenting. Acts chapter 2, verse 39, Ephesians chapter 6. Number five, make disciples. Make disciples. I'm not talking about converts. Yes, I believe. No, make the people who say, yes, I believe, and now this is how you live it. Active followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 18. We know it. We could quote it. We got to go do it, though. We got to grab the break. When we come back, I'll give you number six and seven, and then we'll open the phone lines. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. 
We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We do appreciate you spending this hour with us. Um, mm-hmm. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Crowder. Good God Almighty. Um, before we went to the break, I'll just go with the last two here. And let, we can start getting some phone calls queued up. Mm-hmm. Uh, your take on the conversation, uh, any aspect that you want to tackle, uh, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. She'll get your calls queued up. And uh, you can talk to us about today's topic, cultural assumptions provoke Christians. And uh, my, my point is that really the cultural assumption is that there's no morality. Hmm. Like there's there's no <laughs> fear of God. No, nope. Like that, that's the assumption. Nobody fears God. Like there's no there's no real person that still has, you know, mm-hmm. these kinds of like moral standards. Right. Like that they at least let me say that they're applying to their life. Right. Because because Christians are not setting the standard. You have to understand that we God set the standard, mm. right? We're just, we agree with him. We say, yeah, you're right, Lord. That's what we're saying in culture in every way that we live and everything that we do. Um, I won't go back to mention the article. Of course, if you call in, you want to talk about it, you can, but the article that prompted this discussion about the cultural assumptions. And so I'm offering uh, seven things that Christians could do today to see measurable cultural change. That's not the aim, but it would happen. It would happen. It would happen. Seven things that Christians could do today to see measurable cultural change. Just um, refresh. I'll I'll, I'll move quickly. Return to the authority of scripture. Return to holiness. Number two. Number three, apply church discipline. Number four, adopt a biblical prescription of parenting. Number five, make disciples. And the last two, embrace the peculiar people tension. Mm. Embrace it. You're different. You're different. You're you're not going to act like them. You're not going to talk like them. You're not going to agree with them. You have to just be comfortable with that. You're it's going to be painful at first, but people will get over it. It's going to it's going to be painful. The looks are going to feel like daggers, but they're not. They're not. It's 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 look. Take a deep breath. We did a show. We t- we talk about brace for impact. You just be ready. Just be ready. It's a moment. This is what we teach our kids. This is what we teach our kids. In this culture, you are going to face cultural pressure, but it's a moment. It's a moment of cultural pressure. You can get through it. Mm-hmm. You can get through it. You don't have to give in to this culture. Amen. You don't. And the pressure is great. It's great. The pressure on our kids today is great. It's overwhelming. But you teach your kids to brace for impact. You teach your kids that they are peculiar. You're different. People are not going to like you. You are not striving to be popular. I do not want to raise popular kids. I do not want to raise kids that need to be popular. I do not want to raise kids who need a large circle of friends to feel significant in this life. I don't want it. And that was, look, we did that. We did that in the church in America. We told our kids that their highest aim in high school was to be popular and well-liked. And even today, when we describe our kids, we don't say anything about their spiritual well-being. When we measure our kids' success, we're talking about all the things that will burn up in the end. And that's a shame. 
Number six, embrace the peculiar people tension. You are peculiar. You are different. You're genuinely different. This culture is trying to manufacture difference. Like, cause that's in, they're trying to manufacture difference. Right. Right. We're just different. We're, you are genuinely different. It's by nature of being in Christ. Born again, <laughs> different. That's, yeah. that's, that's you given a new nature. Mm. Embrace it. That's what I'm saying. First Peter chapter two, verses nine through 12. And then finally number seven. And then we will go to the phone lines. Be actively dissatisfied with what the world offers. Be actively dissatisfied with what the world offers. I can be actively dissatisfied. Man, some days you're just going to have to say, you know what? No, I don't. I No, no to it. No, 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 we're not doing it. Everybody's doing it. We're not doing it. <laughs> Everybody loves it. We don't love it. This does not satisfy me. This is not enough. Crave, look forward to Jesus. Sam Witt, something has been stirred in our mm. almost five-year-old here <laughs> recently. The Lord has been working in his heart. There is something going on and, and he's being stirred to ask questions about the Lord like never before. So we keep making sure that we underscore the gospel. We're not giving him patty cake, underscore the gospel. This is what the Lord requires. This is what the Lord requires. And God's been stirring something in his little heart. And he's been asking us questions every single day. And he's been saying things like, Oh, I just, I just want to see him. Mm. I can't wait to see God. So this, do you know how you see him? Do you know how you see God? You have to repent of your sin. You have to repent of your sin. You have to confess that Jesus Christ and his sacrifice is sufficient to pay the penalty that you owe for your sin. Believe that Jesus Christ died for your sin and rose again. And if you do that, you will see God. Amen. And, and we're still working on making sure that he really understands that because you yeah. know, he'll say, yeah, sometimes when I'm punished and I go to my room, I do repent. I do. <laughs> he says, I do repent. And that's good. That's good. You should feel sorrow when you do bad things. Mm-hmm. But we want you to understand what repentance is coming to the Lord over the sorrow that is in your DNA. Not just for what you did, although that's a great start. Number seven, be actively dissatisfied with what the world offers. First John chapter two, verses 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Right? Amen. Man, and, and, and we've, done a, we've done a bad job of this. We've loved this world so much. Yeah. Some of us, we can't even imagine the return of Christ because we're like, wait, this will all be over? This, I, won't, I won't get to do this. I won't get to do that. Man, as parents, may, let us be guilty of keeping in front of our kids eternity where we regularly make much of what Jesus has secured for us to the point that we can't wait either. Now they're going to have questions that you cannot answer. They're going to have, they are going to have questions that you cannot answer. Sam Witt asked me the other day, where am I going to sleep? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. But the great thing is that wherever you sleep and whatever it is. And then he asked me, what am I going to be doing forever? I don't know, but I know that God made you with purpose and he's given you abilities to glorify him. And I know that we're going to spend eternity glorifying him. So whatever it is that you're going to be doing, buddy, it's going to be great. Mm. It's going to be great. We don't have all the answers, but if you keep in front of your kids that this is not it, this is not your final stop. Then something is awakened in our kids to desire beyond what they see in this world. And in fact, and then we'll go to the phone lines. This is how the world snatches our kids because they, the, 
we as parents have been guilty of making this world, this is it. Mm-hmm. Live your best life now. People yeah. write books about it. Yeah. There's a shade tree there. <laughs> Will the Great, where do we go first? All right, let's go to AJ in Kentucky. Hi, AJ. Hey, McKean. Well, how you doing? Doing Hello. good. Uh, I just wanted to say that uh, when I was a, a young kid, I, I grew up being a Christian basically my whole life, mm-hmm. Christian family great Christian family, and uh, I was introduced into porn from a, a older friend that I hung around with. Mm-hmm. Parents never knew, um, and it basically consumed me my, my entire life, mm-hmm. and uh, didn't really get confronted with it until I was married, had kids, mm-hmm. and uh, my wife finds out that I've mm. been struggling with this for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, of course, she's a godly woman, and I, I thank God for her every day. Mm-hmm. But uh, she uh, she gave me grace and forgave me for it. And uh, if it wasn't for that, I, I feel like God put that on her to find that out because uh, that's what that's what has finally uh, got me away from, from that addiction. But it is definitely an addiction. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, for any parent, um, if you even if you think your kids might not be introduced into that or have seen that or anything, you better be really paying attention to what they're what they're looking at on their mm-hmm. on their phones. It's I mean it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just it's, it's a terrible thing. I mean, especially with smartphones now, you can you can literally just pull it right up. That's mm. right. That's right. AJ, thank Man. you so much. I appreciate you calling in with that warning yeah. and being willing to uh, share your testimony with us. Uh, in addition to what our brother just said, uh, not only is it on kids' devices, you know, depending on the access that you give your kids. And we we have we have tech week coming up, um, mm. Aaron the Addisons. We're going to do a week where we talk about tech and the effects of tech on our kids. And so hopefully you'll listen um, and stay engaged. But in addition to that, now you're, you're combating it in schools where it's being normalized. You see, that's right. Because it's a different war. It's not just a war where you're fighting it. And remember, we had this whole community approach to, to this is wrong. This is wrong. There was shame associated with it. It was the back racks. You know what I mean? It was Mm -hmm. the back rooms. It was, you know, and and people ducking in and trying Mm -hmm. not to be seen. Mm -hmm. But now, see, and this is the danger of a culture that normalizes, celebrates, and exalts sin. Everybody fares worse because of it. Yeah. Because it's not just like you're you're trying to, you know, protect your kids just from, like, you know, their friends and their phones and all of that. It's the teacher that once was respected. That's right. Now shoveling this to your kids. (laughs) Will the Great, where do we go next? And let's go to Vera. In Texas, hi Vera. Hi, uh, I'm a longtime uh, listener to y'all's program. I, I appreciate you more than I can tell. <laughs> I'm 78 you. years old. Uh, I had the awesome uh, privilege and honor of being a stay-at-home mother and raising my two boys in mm-hmm. the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I know that immorality has always been around, but uh, in my opinion, the at my age, the greatest contributor to uh, the, the breakdown of the church and the breakdown and the contributor to homosexuality and immorality is the breakdown of the family. I think mm. that was God's oh, yes. first, uh, uh, first ordained 
mm-hmm. contribution, and I, when the fam- as the family goes, so goes the church, and as the church goes, so goes the nation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Vera. I just think that uh, I, I can see that in my almost 80 years, and it's such a tragedy that we turned wow. our children over to the daycare centers about uh, decades ago, mm-hmm. and uh, we're, we're now seeing the consequences of divorce in the church. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and in our in, in in all across our culture today, and it's sad, and I think it's a, a huge contributor to to uh, to the gay community that without the presence of a dad and a mom and dad as an mm. example, and that's why I appreciate y'all so much. I just love you guys, and that's my opinion for what it's worth. But I love it's the worth Lord, a lot. There, I, there was nothing I had no greater honor than to be a mother. Come mm. on, None. come on, Vera. Thank, thank you, Vera. you so much. Listen. Uh, your opinion, your your comments, they're worth a lot. Yeah. And and I think you're spot on. Your observations yeah. are, are accurate. It, we think that that is oversimplifying things to esteem the family. But really what we're doing when we don't esteem the family is that we are calling into question the wisdom of God and his design mm, of the family. That's right. Vera, you're, you're spot on because remember, we're talking about battling those who would make converts, Right. And, and so, you know, you, you got to have some willing participants or you got to have some weakened families. And that's what we have all across this country, weakened families. Mm. All right, let's try to squeeze in one, one or two more calls. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go next? Let's go to Jason in Texas. Hi, Jason. Hi, Jason. All right, can you only kill me now? Yes. Yes. Excellent. Hey, Miss Nikki and Mr. Will the Great, I deeply appreciate talking to y'all. I will not rant forever. I hope y'all don't <laughs> cut me go, off. But go right firstly, ahead. I want to thank y'all. I want to thank y'all. I was listening. I think it was last month when I called in before and I had a question. I had my daughter in the, the the first grade and I was worried about what they were teaching and you gave me some great advice and I heard you. I think a couple days later you brought it up again and you, and you mentioned my name. I heard that and I wanted to thank okay. y'all very much awesome. for taking You're that welcome. seriously. Obviously, it's a big deal. Um, just, just a word to the wise out there, any other parents, any other, you know, people that are maybe got one foot in the culture war, one foot out, we're, we don't have the luxury of sitting around anymore. Our Mm -mm. backs are against the wall. Mm -hmm. They are actively teaching preschoolers sexual deviancy. Mm -hmm. This is the final stand moment, people. Mm -hmm. Come on. We've got to stand up. Up. There is no Come more on. compromising anymore. Mm. This is it. That's right. You know, and mm. that's right. I just I appreciate what y'all do. Oh Thank man, you. God bless you, you Jason. Thank you, Jason. Thank you so much. I appreciate man, you. Listen, right. I think that that is a great place for us to come to land today. And I love the way our brother put it. This is the final stand moment. Like, you know, so so often we're thinking, well, maybe if it starts to intensify, like, I mean, you know, is it really a big deal? We're just sometimes we're so dull and we're sometimes kind of late, you know, tardy to the party. Like we don't we don't get there on time or we, we get there late. And then we think, well, I don't understand what they've been making such a big deal about all these years. But really what we are witnessing and what we are observing in our culture is the result of slow and steady incremental gains mm. over time. It's the it's over time. I'm looking out and saying, "Oh, you're not gonna, you're not gonna eat that. You're, you're, you're not gonna do anything with that. Well, then, can I have it?" <laughs> and even in those times when, <clears throat> excuse me, Christian parents weren't sure, they were still kind of like pushing it over to the edges of their plate. Like, mm, I don't, I mean, I don't know, <laughs> you know. And then before they realized it, before they knew it, their children were carted off. Their children were converted. Guys, look, our brother's warning and our brother's clarion call 
is not lost on us. It shouldn't be lost on any of us. Man. This is the moment that we stand up and occupy until the Lord returns. Amen. All right. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.